And those are the things that um, causes people to dislike the church so much is kind of because of this exact verse. People have these like beams sticking out of their eyes where they like talk about, oh, don't watch, you know, pornography in your in your spare time. But then these these preachers that say this stuff are sexually cheating on their wives or porn addicts or who knows what else. So that's what gives the church a bad name to people who are outside of the church. They look in and they're just like, oh, these these terrible hypocrites that have so many problems. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Luke. Hey, faithful listeners, good morning, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the P40 Ministries podcast. And I'm sorry if you hear a fan running in the background. It's actually my um, my heater because it is snowing and the heater just has to happen. I'm, I'm just, I'm cold. So I have this heater like running, literally, I would guess like two feet away from me and just blowing on me. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, I love the snow. I really do, but it just, it starts to get old after a while, after a while of having it for just like month after month after month. It's like, okay, I'm really looking forward to spring and for um, planting my garden this year, but that's going to have to wait another month. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about Luke 6, verses 39 through 49. And this is going to finish up the Sermon on the Plain, that they call it, or it could also just be the Sermon on the Mount. We don't really know, but it's just a repeat, basically, of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> but this one in Luke is just a little bit different. It has a few things that differentiate it from the Sermon on the Mount, which is why people call it the Sermon on the Plain. But okay, let's go ahead and talk about Luke six thirty-nine through 49. As I always do, I'll be reading out the W.E.B. Feel free to read out of the version you prefer to read out of. Grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and let's jump right in. He spoke a parable to them. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck of chaff that is in your brother's eye, but don't consider the beam that is in your own eye? How can you tell your brother, brother, let me remove that speck of chaff that is in your eye, when you yourself don't see the beam that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First remove the beam from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck of chaff that is in your brother's eye. For there is no good tree that produces rotten fruit, nor again a rotten tree that produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For people don't gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. 
The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings out that which is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings out that which is evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug and went deep and laid a foundation on the rock. When a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it was founded on the rock. But he who hears and doesn't do is like a man who built a house on the earth without foundation against which the stream broke and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. In verse 39, Jesus says, Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? I think that's more of a warning than anything else to us to make sure that we're really following leaders that um, deserve to be followed. Because when we're following a blind leader, no matter who he is and what position he is in, whether he's a pastor or not, it's important to make sure that the leader knows what he's doing. Otherwise, he's just going to lead everybody into a pit because he's going to be blind and then the people behind him are going to be blind and they're all going to just be follow, following him and falling into a pit. So this is just a warning. I think Jesus is telling people of, you know, don't, don't follow blind guides because blind guides aren't going to get you anywhere. They're just going to cause more trouble. So then Jesus says here in verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Kind of just more of that blind guide thing, I think is kind of what this is talking about, like a continuation of that. A disciple is never going to be above his teacher. And I mean, if I mean, think about it in any way. A student is not going to be above his teacher, right? Like if you are a music student, you are not going to know more than the teacher who is teaching you. It just can't happen. That is why you're going to go get taught by this teacher so that you can actually learn. And that's what Jesus is saying. You know, these these people are never going to be above me, but everyone when they are fully trained will be like me. That doesn't mean they're going to be above Jesus, but they're going to be like him. So we have to look for not blind guys, not blind teachers, but people who imitate Christ, people who have learned from Christ and acknowledge him. Then in verse 41, why do you see the speck of chaff that is in your brother's eye, but don't consider the beam that is in your own eye? I think this is so funny. I think I just talked about this the other day and I was just like cracking up over it because Jesus is like, you guys have like a log sticking out of your face and yet you're trying to like see this like little tiny like speck of chaff, you know, this like little speck that's in your like brother's eye. And what, what Jesus is talking about here is hypocrisy, right? Where, for example, the Pharisees would notice the tiniest little things that were wrong with somebody and correct them and cause a big hoopla over it. But then they have this like beam sticking out of their eye, out of their face. And they and Jesus is like, you can't even see clearly to help your brother because of your like huge sins that are so apparent to everybody else, but you can't even see them yourself. So Jesus is like, you hypocrite, remove that beam from your own eye. And then you can see clearly to remove the speck of chaff that is in your brother's eye. Like I talked about on Thursday, 
There is a responsibility that Christians have to judge people in their church, their fellow Christians, because the reason we do that is because when somebody comes into the church and becomes a member of the church and starts regularly going to that church, we have to make sure that they are um, sticking to their original commitments, that they're not, you know, bringing false teaching into the church, um, causing people to go astray, basically. We have to make sure that we judge the church, but it's not our job to judge people that are outside of the church. So when Jesus says here that you need to remove the beam that is in your own eye before you can remove the little speck that is in your brother's eye, I believe Jesus is talking about the church in this instance, you know, where people can, in fact, judge the church. But we, even when we judge the church, like Christians judge each other and make sure that there's nothing bad happening in the church, we first have to make sure that we are not having any issues in ourself where we can't see clearly to judge our fellow brother and sister in Christ. So this is kind of a warning I think Jesus is giving us. But even going back to the Pharisee, you know, the Pharisees technically were allowed to judge their fellow, um, you know, their fellow people, right? Because it was all under God's Old Testament law. And the Pharisees who were, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests, they were all allowed because they were leaders to judge the people. And in fact, that was kind of their original like intention, I suppose. They were intentionally supposed to be judging the people to make sure that they were on track with God. But the problem was in Jesus's day, it went from judging people because you cared about that person, you cared about their soul, you cared about who they are, and you had respect for them. It went from that to, I only care about myself and um, my domineering power over these people, right? So the Pharisees did not care about the people they were, uh, you know, judging. They only cared about themselves and like usurping authority over these these people. And so Jesus says that these Pharisees are just hypocrites because they're judging their fellow person, which they're technically allowed to do, but they're judging this person for something that they do, and they do it so much greater, so much worse than this person is doing, that Jesus is saying that these these Pharisees at this time are hypocrites. So even you and me nowadays, when we are in the church, and we are, in fact, allowed to judge our fellow churchgoers, that is pretty clearly laid out in scripture that we, we do not allow uh, false teachers and false prophets and people who lead other people astray, we don't we don't allow that in the church. So we have to make sure that we are keeping that away from our church so that our church remains holy and separated. But you know, we, we are also <laughs> we are also supposed to make sure that we aren't doing those things ourselves, especially if we're leaders. Especially if we are leaders in the church. Like if you're an elder or if you are a deacon or a deaconess. Or if you, um, I don't know, you lead Bible studies, who knows what you do. You have to make sure that if you're in a leadership position and you go to like talk with somebody about how they can fix their issues, that you're not having those same issues yourself privately or even publicly because that's just going to make you look like a hypocrite. And those are the things that um, causes people to dislike the church so much is kind of because of this exact verse people have these like beams sticking out of their eyes 
where they like talk about oh don't watch you know pornography in your in your spare time but then these these preachers that say this stuff are sexually cheating on their wives or porn addicts or who knows what else so that's what gives the church a bad name to people who are outside of the church they look in and they're just like oh these these terrible hypocrites that have so many problems that are like teaching me how to live but they don't even know how to live themselves but they just say it so yeah this is a warning to all church leaders and anybody really in the church that um could be mentoring somebody or guiding somebody who knows but we just have to make sure that we are living free from those things ourselves or at least at least admitting that we do them i would say admitting that we struggle in an area and being public with it so that we can help other people who struggle with it but we have to be very vulnerable i believe in the church i don't think it's i don't think it's good to hide stuff away i think it's so so good to bring stuff out into the light so that other people can help you with it other people can keep you accountable and honestly it's just very very freeing it's so freeing to admit to just finally admit i struggle with this i'm a christian i know i shouldn't be struggling with this but i need help in this area it's just such a freeing thing and you just will feel this like burden come off of you and trust me i was there at one point in time but yeah moving forward in verse 43 it says there is no good tree that produces rotten fruit nor again a rotten tree that produces good fruit for each tree is known by its fruit for people don't gather figs from the thorns, nor do they gather grapes from the ban- from the bramble bush. So this is pretty obvious. What Jesus is saying is that if somebody is a rotten person, they're not going to produce good fruit. <laughs> That's really the best way I can describe it. You know, a good person is going to produce good fruit. And Jesus goes on to talk about the heart. It says in verse 45, the good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings out that which is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings out that which is evil. I mean, more of the same of just if you're a rotten person, you're going to be pretty obviously rotten to other people. Once again, just all of this kind of is a warning to us about leaders, really. I think this is talking actually a lot about leaders and leadership, especially in the church. You know, if your your pastor is a crappy guy, he's not going to produce a lot of fruit that is very good. He's going to produce stuff that is actively not so good, actively very selfish, you know, actively very arrogant. Who knows? But you got to watch out for your pastor. You got to watch You got to look at what the church you're going to and be like, is this guy really doing good? And like maybe some stuff is is good out of it. I mean, I mean, I was listening to uh, that podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And I mean, there was a lot of good stuff, actually, that came from that church. You know, there was some good. And I mean, God can use really anything. God can use stuff for our good. But Mark Driscoll the lead guy of um, Mars Hill was kind of a crappy dude and it was just very displayed that he was sort of a crappy guy, especially later on. And that's what ended up happening to Mars Hill. They like fell pretty much overnight. But yeah, I mean, you got to watch out. You got to look at what your pastor is doing. 
And if you're a church leader, you certainly have to look at yourself. I have to um, check myself because I am in a leadership position in my church. And if you know somebody else who's a church leader, you have to kind of check them as well. So there's a whole bunch of like checks and balances that are supposed to happen in the church. That's why um, there's an eldership board that is supposed to be in each church. There's supposed to be elders in the church of men from different backgrounds that will make sure that they check the pastor, but then the pastor will also check them. That's why elders are supposed to happen in the church. So if you have a church that's just run by one man and there's not a very good elder team, or rather the elder team is just um, yes men, men that just say yes to everything the pastor does without checking him, that's when you might have to consider leaving that church, unfortunately, to go find a healthier church because it's only going to go downhill from there. And if you go up to that pastor and you ask him a question or, you know, contradict him in something and he yells at you, then you know that you have a very, very unhealthy pastor and uh, possibly eldership board as well. And that's when you need to consider finding a new church because it's only going to go downhill from there. And I can speak that from experience. Okay, so then in verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? For everyone who comes to me, hears my words and does them, and I will show you who he is like. I mean, more, just more of the same, what Jesus is saying. You know, if you claim to love God and you call him your Lord, I mean, lots of people like to say Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you call him your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but you're not like doing anything that he says and you're just being uh, hypocritical and judgmental and mean and cruel to people and arrogant, then you're not really a follower of Christ, even if you say you are. And so Jesus is like, why do you say I'm Lord, but then don't do the stuff that I say? So then Jesus says that a man, though, that does call him Lord, but also does what he says is like a man who built his house and dug and went deep and laid foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house, it could not shake it because it was founded on the rock. Jesus is obviously talking about himself. He is the rock and he is the person that people should be building their foundation on. We need to build our foundation on Jesus and everything else after that will follow. Actually, a big part of my ministry comes from these verses, which is build your house on the rock. And when troubles come your way, it's not going to make your your house break because you have it built on that rock. So that's why I do P40 Ministries is mainly because of this verse right here is because I want people to have a solid foundation in who God is and I want them to build their foundation in that rock so that no matter what comes their way, they're not going to be shaken. Then in verse 49, he who hears and doesn't do is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream broke and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So that's like somebody who says, Lord, Lord, but doesn't do anything that Jesus says to do. He's like a man that just says it. You know, he puts his house on the sand 
And then the second any bad issues happen, it just totally breaks that house. It just makes it flood downstream and it's just gone forever. That is the person that builds their house on the sand and doesn't listen, doesn't do what Jesus says to do, but just, you know, pretends to follow him, pretends to call him Lord. So really all of this, a warning to us, if we are leaders to watch ourselves, to make sure we have people in place that are going to check us, and also to watch our leadership, like our pastors, our elders, we have to constantly be checking each other because we all sin. And so if we all sin, we have to make sure we have people in place in the church that is going to, uh, like I said, check and balance us. And we can do the same for them. Because that is how God is going to get famous. That is how the church is going to grow. Because people outside the church are going to see people that are vulnerable with their um, beliefs. They're going to see people who are not hypocrites, who live what they say. And that's going to be attractive to people outside the church. All of this stuff will be. So really, we just have to do what Jesus says to do, not just listen to him. But we need to produce that good fruit that Jesus talks about, especially if we're in a leadership position. Well, friends, this was the end of the Sermon on the Plain. And I really enjoyed this. I thought this was fun to talk about what Jesus has to say. But join me on Thursday because I'm going to have a special guest on the podcast and her name is Rachel Adams. And I've been meaning to have her on for over a year. (laughs) But life got busy and I did ask her. I asked her, I think, close to a year ago to be on the podcast. And uh, she's like, sure. And then I never contacted her again so I felt sort of bad but finally we got it all worked out and um, she's got a book that's going to be coming out soon so yeah definitely join in on Thursday to listen to that episode it's going to be a lot of fun Rachel's just a great person I hope you tune in but friends also join in tomorrow 6am or whenever you wake up for an episode out of Leviticus until then happy listening and God bless God bless